Jail, have you ever been to Stillwater for any reason? No, sir. No, no sir, I haven't. Have you heard of Eskimo Joe's? <laughs> What's that? Their, their most popular restaurant, I believe. It's kind of a cult following. Is it pretty good or something? Cheese fries are good. Do you like cheese fries? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Their fans uh, there at their stadium are awfully close to y'all. I mean, I, I, I guess that's the case in a lot of places, but, I mean, they're right on top of the bench. Do you do you ever find yourself hearing what fans are yelling at y'all? What does that have to do with the cheese fries? <laughs> oh, you want to talk more about that? <laughs> I'm just wondering where you're going with this. I've been to Stillwater twice in my life. The first time, and and this is not some sort of made-up story to play up to stereotypes about my school's biggest in-state rival. This is the absolute truth. I stepped out of the car and had to dodge horse poop on the sidewalk. This is the Bedlam Week Big 12 Bullets. It is Thanksgiving week, rivalry week, bedlam week, formerly AM and Texas week. It's one of the most exciting weeks of the year across all of college football. There's a lot to play for in the Big 12 this week and a lot to talk about. And because it's bedlam week, we're going to hit some Mike Gundy press conference highlights. But we're going to save those for the end as a little teaser because Mike Gundy has had so many Great press conference moments. I wanted to open with the Jalen Hurts press conference moment because we saw a little bit of personality from Jalen. We saw a little bit of back and forth with the reporter about Eskimo Joe's. I love the, what does that have to do with the cheese fries? That It was great. Look at that personality. Now, if he could hang on to the football, that would be even better than personality in a press conference. Let's hope he doesn't get anywhere near those cheese fries before the game. That is something we are going to talk about as we break down Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. A big game. Oklahoma still has to win out. Obviously, they have to win out still, but they still have a very good chance of making the playoff. The playoff rankings came out and have Oklahoma at number seven behind Utah and Alabama. Alabama, of course, missing Tua, playing Auburn. They pretty much have no chance of making the college, the, um, the SEC championship game. They're not going to win their division. I really don't know that I see a way Alabama makes it in unless there's a lot more chaos. Um, Utah being ahead of Oklahoma, Oklahoma is going to need Utah to lose and they're going to need to them to lose to Oregon. Oregon lost to Arizona state, eliminating them from college football playoff contention. That was a huge deal for both Oklahoma and Baylor. Baylor sits at number nine, They need to win out. They need to beat Oklahoma, and they need a couple other things to happen in their favor. But those things do look like they could possibly happen. One of the biggest things is for LSU to go ahead and win out, beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, eliminate number four Georgia, as they'd have two losses. Then we can really talk about which, you know, the the winner of the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma or Baylor, making it into the college football playoff. But none of this will make a lick of difference if Mike Gundy has anything to say about it. Now, there is obviously some 
disappointment in this game because Spencer Sanders is out for the season. Spencer Sanders is a difference-making quarterback. He makes a lot of mistakes, and he could have uh, obviously made enough mistakes that he wouldn't have won the game for, for Oklahoma State, but he also is a guy that can make plays with his legs. He's a talented player. He brings something to the table that Oklahoma struggled with, and that is a mobile quarterback. So him paired with Chuba Hubbard, and if you if Oklahoma State also had Tylen Wallace over there at receiver, things would have been very, very different. As it looks, this game looks to be a straightforward victory for Oklahoma if they do what they're supposed to do. However, Stephen A. Smith voice, um, I have to put tags on my impressions because they're really bad. However, Oklahoma has not been playing up to the level that they should be playing for an entire game at all this the last month they've had several dominant quarters several dominant halves that show that they could they could i think beat every single team in the country that includes Oklahoma or that includes Ohio State that includes LSU that includes Clemson if they play the way they play when they're at their best and I think they're capable of losing to a team like Oklahoma State if they play like they play when they're at their worst. And that Baylor game is the perfect example, but we also have examples of this in the TCU game as well. So that first half against Baylor, you have Jalen Hurts putting the ball literally on the ground. You have him throwing a big interception. And you have the defense that can't stop a very obvious play call in a quarterback run. And that's how you get down 28-3. to That's how you give up 31 points and a half. That's how everything goes wrong. The second half of that game, that's featuring the Oklahoma team that could beat anyone in the world. You have Jalen Hurts running a lot. I think he still runs too much, and he certainly um, needs to utilize, or Lincoln Riley needs to utilize those other weapons. And I remember Oklahoma was missing CeeDee Lamb in that game. But you have an Oklahoma team that spreads the ball around, that uses running backs, that uses the talented freshman receivers and other weapons that they have. And you have an Oklahoma team that dominates the time of possession. They need the ball a lot because the defense played really well in that half, gave up no points. Defense played three really good quarters against TCU, only gave up 17 points in the whole game. One of the touchdowns was a pick six from Jalen Hurts. So you're talking about a defense that when they are rested, when they are, um, I think when they play with no fear and no uh, hesitation and no tiredness, they are one of the best defenses, and fight me on this, but they're one of the best defenses in the country. And you can look at their their rankings across the, the college football landscape. They are highly ranked defense, and that's with some really bad quarters mixed in. So when they're at their best, led by Kenneth Murray, led by Neville Gallimore, led by you know that 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 uh, Ronnie Perkins in that defensive line and the, that linebacking crew, they make up for the pretty much a lack of talent in in the defensive backs, and they're a very very good defense. But they can't do it for four quarters, and they can't do it if they're having to do it over and over and over again. Oklahoma's offense needs to control the ball and the time of possession, and they did that in the second half against Baylor. They did it for a lot of the game against TCU and allowed the defense to make plays, and the defense bailed out Jalen Hurts when he made mistakes. So I think that that is how they will win this game against Oklahoma State. I think that they will run it a ton, control time of possession, and the defense will be able to make plays. But here's the way Oklahoma State can win this game, and and I'm not 
predicting that they will, but I'm saying there's a path. This is not a slam dunk for Oklahoma. This is not one of those games where, yo, you throw out the record books. Okay, obviously you have to throw out the record books, but at the same time, the record books show that Oklahoma's won this game like pretty much every time in the history of this has ever been played. I mean, this is not one of those rivalries where uh, it's equal at all. Oklahoma dominates this rivalry. Mike Gundy has a terrible record in this rivalry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the strengths of this Oklahoma State team do play well against the weaknesses of this Oklahoma team. Oklahoma State has 12 interceptions this season. That is really, really good for a team that doesn't have what you would recognize as a great defense. They have 12 interceptions. They have one player. They have a player named Colby Harvell Peel, who has five interceptions. Five interceptions. Oklahoma has six interceptions total. So Oklahoma State has one defensive back who has as many interceptions basically as the entire Oklahoma team. Like I said, Oklahoma State has 12 interceptions this season. Oklahoma has six total. Oklahoma has recovered three fumbles all season. Oklahoma State has recovered five So we're talking about 17 takeaways for Oklahoma State versus nine for Oklahoma. And it's not even, I'm not even talking about this in the um, respect of the defenses facing off. Obviously, we know about Oklahoma's defensive takeaway issue, which they have rectified a little bit this year, the last few games. Buki, Radley Hiles had a huge interception uh, on a fourth down. It wasn't really necessary knocking the ball down also worked but hey when you need takeaways it it feels good to get a takeaway but what I'm talking about is Jalen Hurts the amount of turnovers he has this season is pretty ridiculous and it's getting worse it feels like he's thrown six interceptions he's fumbled it seven times and lost five of those fumbles including two massive ones in the red zone obviously the one against Baylor that he fumbled into the end zone The one last week against TCU, he thinks he's home free, and TCU's player makes a great play by grabbing grabbing it from him from behind, but he has to have better ball security there too. So you have a a quarterback who's prone to turning it over, who's turned it over 11 times this season, and you have a defense who, while while not being a dominant defense, not near as good as Baylor, uh, for example, a defense that can take the ball away, and those takeaways, takeaways obviously change the game. So there's definitely a world where if Oklahoma screws around like they've been screwing around a lot this season and keeping games closer than they should be, that a big turnover, a big uh, takeaway by Oklahoma State, a turnover by Jalen Hurts becomes a game-changing moment, and that can set Oklahoma State up for a big victory at home. The other thing, it's something that we've talked about a a bunch with Oklahoma State, and it's very obvious that this is what they're going to have to totally rely on in this game offensively is Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard leads the country in rushing. He should be a Heisman finalist. I don't think he should win the Heisman, um, and I'm certain that he won't because running backs, they're they're not typically thought of as Heisman trophy contenders over the last few years. Plus, he plays for a team that's not that great, and he really doesn't have a Heisman moment, but maybe he has one in this game. Maybe he rushes for 250 yards and has a huge, huge game and and really launches himself into that conversation. But I think that's pretty much between Joe Burrow and and, uh, maybe Justin Fields, Chase Young, but I think it's Joe Burrow's 
award to win. I think Jalen Hurts has kind of lost that award in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Chuba Hubbard hasn't done anything to lose it, but I just think because he plays for Oklahoma State, he's probably not going to be considered. But he's a guy that is the entire offense for Oklahoma State without Spencer Sanders and without Tylen Wallace. So Oklahoma potentially loses this game if Chuba Hubbard goes off. And Chuba Hubbard will get a chance to go off if the defense is taking the ball away from Jalen Hurts, giving him more and more carries, more and more ways to tire out the Oklahoma defense. The Oklahoma defense, like I said, I think will win this game and they'll be fine if Oklahoma controls the time of possession and keeps that defense fresh in order to allow them to make plays. The Oklahoma defense does not have much depth. If they're starting to have you have to use backups, they're starting to have to really spell those defensive linemen because defensive linemen get tired. That's when Chuba Hubbard will really exploit that lack of depth on Oklahoma's defense. And this could get ugly for Oklahoma. I don't think it will. I do think Oklahoma wins this game. I think it's close. I, I would say probably Oklahoma wins by a touchdown, uh, maybe by 10. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma will blow them out, which blowing them out would be something that they would need as they're trying to impress the college football playoff committee. But I, I just, I don't really see that happening. Big weekend overall for the Big 12. However, that's the only sort of big game. It's just a big game for the entire conference because if Oklahoma wins, They'll stay at number seven. Maybe they go up above Utah because they would have another ranked win, which Utah still doesn't have. I doubt it, though. Uh, so we would be looking at a Big 12 championship game between number seven and number nine. I don't love the Big 12 championship game rematch. I don't love the idea of the Big 12 championship game, especially in a year like this year where you have an Oklahoma team um, who is the conference champion because they beat Baylor. So there's the tiebreaker. It's easy. It's it's very sewn up that you have a champion. There's no debate. There's no weirdness. And I don't mean just because it's Oklahoma. I mean, it's weird that you have a team that's clearly the conference champion, and then they have to go prove it again by playing a team they already beat. It's strange. However, it is going to hopefully work out in the Big 12's favor because it gives the Big 12 a marquee matchup, a top 10 matchup to say, look, our champion just beat one of the 10 best teams in the country and therefore they deserve to be in the playoff as opposed to some other team who's playing, say, you know, Clemson, obviously they're going to make it because they're going to be undefeated, but they're going to be playing a terrible team from the other side of the ACC. They're not going to benefit from that game at all. And so that's where the Big 12 model always guarantees that the two best teams will be playing and that that will benefit the conference. So that is good. And, and as much as I think it's a little weird and a little wonky and and it's not ideal, it is a good way for a conference that people question to be able to prove itself again. The SEC doesn't need to do that. Uh, they obviously have the championship game and, and often the championship game complicates things even more for them. But they have two divisions. They have a massive conference. It is what it is. The Big 12, it, it is actually a beneficial thing for the conference to have this game. As much as people complain about it, and I do find it weird. So I promised you a collection of Mike Gundy's press conference moments. 
Here it is for you to enjoy and get ready for Bedlam, which is on Saturday night. A couple other games on Friday, uh, 11 a.m., Texas and Texas Tech. Not quite the A&M Texas game that it used to be. And then Friday at 3.15, West Virginia TCU. The rest of the games are on Saturday. Baylor plays Kansas. Iowa State plays Kansas State. And then the big Bedlam game at 7 p.m. on Saturday night. So to get you ready, here's Mike Gundy. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I can watch a lot more and see it, but it looks bad when the head coach is always watching the big screen and not watching the game. But it's more interesting. This is really good, too. I mean, this is Tropical Smoothie Cafe. I would have. I'd have brought a lot to share. Throw a little vodka in there. It would have been a lot better. I have a ride home for everybody out there. So, I mean, I'm not driving, so. But was there any truth to those reports that uh, Boone Pickens was kind of joking around and left you a gift card for a haircut? Joking with you, that's all. Don't hurt the real journalism world. It's jackasses like you that cause problems, okay? They shouldn't even let you call in. Do you want to talk football? We'll talk football. If you want to be um, out there and talk idiotic social media, then you need to go do something with a college kid. Okay, thank you. You bet. It's not like I don't get frustrated either, okay? I've told you this. I go home. I take double Ambien. Didn't work. I woke up at 317. I came to work at 345 Sunday morning. That's just the way it is. Okay? So it's not like I don't notice, and it's not like I don't understand people's frustration. But we also live in a society today where people want to bitch and complain about everything instead of uh, putting their pants on and go fix it. We're going to fix it. There's nobody around here going to bitch and complain, from me to a coach to a player to anybody that works in that building over there. So... That's the way it works. That's the way that we'll get better. But I certainly understand how and why people think that way. But I would, I would ask them to do this. I would ask them to reflect on a teenager and the mistakes that teenagers make. And then as a parent, you sit there and think, how could that happen? I've been doing the best I can to parent him. I can't believe he went around the back of the school and smoked a cigarette. He truly is an American treasure. And you know, one thing as I was playing that, I, I did start thinking, we have not talked about Texas football very much and the ineptitude that has overtaken that program. Tom Herman in his third year, another failed year, another four-plus loss season, five-loss season. There's a lot to discuss there, and maybe we'll talk about it going into their bowl game, which will certainly be in early December and probably sponsored by a company you've never heard of. So don't think we're going to let Texas off the hook for not being back. But I will be back next week. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Even you, Texas fans. I'm sorry I had to put this little tag at the end, but I felt I needed to address it because we've been talking about the good teams in the conference, and you're not one of them. So have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. Please follow me on Twitter, at ScottBedgood. Like this post on social media, share the newsletter with your friends, share the podcast with your friends, subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud. And I'll talk to you next week on the Big 12 Bullets. Bullets.